Podcasting worldwide from Vancouver, Canada. Welcome back to the Personal Process Podcast. The show that takes you through the growth, hardship, self-discovery, lessons, and stories of individuals who achieved success in their own personal path. Trust the process. Welcome back to another episode of the Personal Process Podcast. Today, we are honored to have John Greaves third here. He is the founder of Garage Gym Life Media, a digital magazine for home gym owners. And beyond that, he was a Marine. And I think he is an amazing story of what you can do as an immigrant to the United States of America. His success speaks for itself. And we're very honored to have you on the show, John. How are you doing today, sir? Good, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, you know, John, we can get started and kind of say that, oh, you know, you're an awesome guy. You know, you started everything, but I'm sure that it wasn't <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. I mean, go we'll ahead. I'm listening. Keep talking. But, you know, let's talk about the beginning. Like you said, you mentioned you're an immigrant and you came to the States and now you're running your own mag- magazine. So, like, can you just take us back and how it all started? Sure. There was a, um, uh, so I was born in Liberia, in, which is in West Africa, uh, of Ebola. I don't know if it's fame exactly, but it's that's the thing that people associate with Liberia right now. And before that, there was a 15-year civil war. Well, wow. before that civil war, um, the military took over the government, which is what led to the civil war because eventually people had enough. And uh, that happened on April 12, 1980. So roughly six months after that, my mom was accepted to seminary here in the United States. And so she decided she wanted to, she had been wanting to do this when she had been a journalist. And so she wanted to do a career change, uh, become a teacher. And so uh, she was accepted to seminary. And so we came over actually on my seventh birthday. Um, Wow. Yeah. And so we came to the States, uh, went to, uh, and so I grew up in Washington, DC or in Maryland, in the DC area. Um, And that was, uh, like I said, in 1980. And I've been in the States ever since, except for, you know, brief trips outside of the country. Right on. Right on. So you came here when you were seven and I'm assuming there was a bit of a culture shock. Granted, you were still young, but like, how was that? Like, how was the adaptation from that? Man, it was rough, dude, because so the first thing is um, there there's a a little less of um, um, I don't know. I don't want to say stigma. It's just people had some preconceived notions. Hmm. So back then it's just crazy because so like people think of Africa and now everybody, I guess everybody thinks like it's all like Wakanda, but at the time, (laughs) you know, we didn't have that. Everybody thought it was like Tarzan, right? Right, right. I still remember, and I was in a fairly bad mood because I said this was on my birthday. So they had a huge birthday party for me. Um, Family and friends were there because they're also giving me a send off. I'm going to America for the first time. Mm -hmm. And so then I had this, I remember I had this big cake and we had to leave. And, you know, I mean, I, I had some of the cake, but I mean, I'm a little kid. We're leaving the cake behind. We get on the plane and we're going. And the, the flight attendant said to me, she said, oh, you're she said something to me um, about uh, how I spoke very good English. So oh, you speak English very well. And I said, well, so do you. And I was, and she just looked at me like taken aback, but I was irritated because I'm like, they, you know, I, I was like a little ungrateful, ungrateful brat, man, because she brought me a little cupcake with a candle, cupcake, single candle. And I'm just thinking about this gigantic chocolate <laughs> cake at, that I left. I said, <laughs> so, remember yeah. in peace, man. Remember and then you're the peace. nerve to come to me and tell me I speak English well. I'm like, 
Um, Bruh. Then we came to the States and it was just, it was, <laughs> I don't know, man. The timing was bad because 1980 was rough. Everybody complains about 2020, but 1980 was rough for me because. What's so going I had, on then? Well, so 1980, so you have this, the, the coup, the government takes over, you know, I'm sorry, the military takes over the government. So school is disrupted. And at the time, I mean, I really enjoyed school, right? That's where I saw all my friends. So school's disrupted for six months. We had to leave our home. And I wouldn't say we're exactly on the run, but we're staying with people, with friends all the time. And then um, I had a dog, a German Shepherd, and I had to leave him behind. He was basically my best friend. I was always like a, just in the house by myself with he and my, uh, with me, me and my dog. So then we leave all that behind. We come to another country where my accent is different. Um, mm -hmm. And we arrived in Maryland during what I now know, because I, I don't know why, but I went and researched it. Sure. I now know was like the, one of the worst heat waves in Maryland history. So we get there. And again, I'm from Africa, but Liberia is on the coast. So average temperature is about 80 degrees. It's like Florida. You know, the ocean cooled sure. it off and all that. And then in the rainy season, I mean, it may drop down to about 65. And we thought that was cold, right? Yeah. So I'll come back to that in a second. So <laughs> we get to Maryland in the summertime. Is this August? And it's the hottest summer on record. And wow. I was like, why is it so hot here? This is America. You know, I'm like, it's so hot. Well, then wintertime comes and I'm like, and now it's cold. And my mother was like, what have these people done to make God mad? Like, it's always hot or cold. Like, it's never it's never night. Like, this is never a good place to be. We're just upset. Um, I did approve of the fact that they had TV on a lot more than they did in Liberia. Because in Liberia, there was like a very uh, groupthink attitude. So mm. the idea is like, there's no need to have TV on during the day. Because kids are in school and people are at work. Why would you have TV on? Okay. Yeah. So when I went home for vacation, summer vacation, I'd get there and there's nothing to watch on TV because TV's <laughs> off. And I was like, oh, this is horrible. Why do I, <laughs> I can't wait to get it back out of here. But, you know, but so that's one thing I, I did enjoy. They had cartoons on Saturday mornings. They didn't have that in Liberia. Um, we had like pro wrestling by like one o'clock because the idea is kids have finished their chores and maybe their parents were letting them watch TV now. Right on. So TV didn't really come on until like noon, one o'clock, and then they'd have some pro wrestling on Teddy Atlas, uh, Tony Atlas. I was Teddy Atlas, not the boxer, uh, boxing coach. No, Tony Atlas, the wrestler. I mean, you know, um, us, uh, the Rock's dad, Rocky Johnson. Right. Yeah. So I saw, I learned about those guys from watching wrestling in Liberia. But I mean, other than that, man, I mean, like the food was different. I mean, I had, like, I was taken aback when I first saw pizza. I was like, what is that? <laughs> oh they're putting it in their mouth oh oh why are you putting that in your mouth what's it's got the little chunks on it what, what is that oh, <laughs> and then they man. offered it to me i wanted to fight no i'm not eating that <laughs> so yeah it was complete that was a rough year um oh, and then i said snow right so i had seen snow we went up to the mountains in liberia uh um, sure. on a vacation with my grandmother so i saw snow and i had seen snow in books but you know it's a concept it's white all right and I'm not sure why I don't really sound smart when I tell this story because it was obviously cold the day before, but I saw snow outside and I forgot it was cold. And I ran outside barefoot in my pajamas. Like, look at this stuff. It's all over the place. Wait, well, this is cold. And I'm locked out of the house. Oh, I forgot man. to keep the door unlocked. I ran out of the house and I was outside cold knocking on the door. Like, let me, <laughs> this, I don't like this. That was a rough year, man. <laughs>
went to uh plus i was getting in trouble okay that's all part of the i'm bored in school so i'm finding other things to occupy myself i'm getting in trouble whatever and so i'm with my dad both to straighten me out and also so i could get to know him Mm. and my dad was a journalist as well he worked for a public television station and he had done a documentary on the marines and so that's Mm. the first time i learned about the marine corps but it's funny because when i was a little kid i had like a list of things i said i wanted to do uh and of all of those things, God has blessed me, man. I've done every single one of the things that I said I wanted to do as a little kid, except for being an astronaut. Astronaut. Uh, yeah, I wanted to be an astronaut, and I wanted to be, uh, and then so the military took over, and so I'm seeing soldiers everywhere. I'm seeing how people respect them, and I'm like, you know what? I'm mm-hmm. going to be a soldier. I didn't know what a Marine was. I want to be a soldier. I'm going to be in the military. Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't even think about it later on when I decided to join the Marine Corps. And the reason why I joined the Marine Corps is like these little seeds were there. But I joined the Marine Corps after college hmm. because uh, I was going to be a reporter, essentially like my dad. But I was going to be a print reporter because I wanted to kind of have my own. My dad and my mom had both been in TV and radio. And so I said, I want to have my own identity. That's, in fact, why I always say John Greaves third instead of just John Greaves because I have the same name as my dad. And I'm like, and I used to get sick of people saying, oh, you're just like your dad. You're a chip off the old yeah. block. I'm like, no, I'm not a clone, right? So anyway, yeah. um, I uh, wanted to be a reporter. So I did an internship with the Chattanooga Times. It doesn't exist anymore. Now uh, you have the, uh, it's the Times Free Press if combined. But sure. the Chattanooga Times, and I did my internship there. And I spent a summer. What broke me was I had to do a story about a local, special purpose local option sales tax. And they said, go out and find out why they haven't done a vote on this thing. It seems mm-hmm. like it's such a simple thing. Why Go find out. And I spent... In addition to other stories, I spent a summer trying to get politicians to give me a straight answer. And I was just like, <laughs> I refuse. I mean, I finally got an answer. But yeah. I re- and I, to do it, I had to start a fight because mm. the guy, one guy said, well, you know, we're kind of just, you know, we're just kind of, I mean, we're trying to get it done. But we're just, you know, you know, friends get together and then we kind of get just wrapped up and talking. And, you know, it just kind of slips our mind. I was like, really? OK. So I called the next somebody from the opposing party. And I said, what? And so why is this taking so long? And they said, well, you know, we have some, you know, very serious issues that we need to work through. And I said, well, over at the other party, they said that this isn't a big deal and that you guys are just basically that you're agreeing and everything's going great. And he said that. I mean, well, I mean, so, I'm not start so I was like, I don't want to do this for the next 20 years of my career, 30 years or whatever. I don't want to, I mean, as entertaining as this is, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. So I'm kind of at a loss. I started working at a, I was already working out by that time. And um, I was working at a public gym mm. and owned by the city of Chattanooga. I worked there for a few years, but I just was kind of like drifting along. You know, it's, it's not like it could have been a career, but I felt like I was just drifting. And so mm. I went and I joined the Marine Corps. And the other reason why I joined the Marine Corps, uh, because I wanted to, it's, it's sort of an act of rebellion. My, my family were like, you know, we don't join the military. They all had scars because, you know, the military took over the government and all that in our country. Like, you know, that's not something we do. And I just said, so of course I maybe want to do it more. (laughs) I said, I'm going in there and I, I couldn't be an officer because I was not an American citizen at the time. Right. So they're like, well, what are you doing this for? Why are you going to the Marines? And people were telling me, you know, and I had talked to the army recruiter, but the army recruiter lied to me. Really? And, and that turned me off. Yeah. I mean, they, she, they basically, they try to trick me. They said, okay, I was going to be like an E3 and they try to make it seem like I was a big thing. And I mean, not really in the grand scheme of things, it's not. And the Marine Corps recruiter was just straight with me. And I said, all right, sign me up. 
Beauty. And, he said, and he he then he spent the next 20 minutes trying to talk me out of it, which of course mm -hmm. is part of now I understand is a psychological thing they teach the Marine Corps recruiters because that makes you want to do it more. Yep. And so I went ahead and I uh fear of missing out. Next thing I know, I'm headed to boot camp. Uh and uh then you know I was in. Yeah. I so I actually never had that. Uh, people say, you know, they got to boot camp. They're like, man, what have I done? Where, because I was a little bit older. Sure. And to me, this is like, I said, I want to do this, and I, I showed up with goals. Like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And what were these goals? Well, one of the things you can do when you join um, is if you are the platoon guide, um, you get promoted early. Sure. And so, because I already had my college degree, you also get mm. a, an event, a promotion. So you get uh, promoted one rank for having a college degree. You can get promoted an additional rank, which means more money if you are the platoon, if you're the honor graduate. So you sure. platoon guide the whole way through, then you're an honor graduate, you get promoted to E3. So my goal was to come out of the Marine Corps, out of the toughest boot camp or basic training in the United States military at, the, at a higher rank than everybody else. To just basically say, you know, you all thought like I sort of to my family also like you thought I couldn't do it, but I not only did it, but I came out higher than everybody else. Watch. So, right on. So I did it. That's huge. So, you know, take me take me kind of through this process of training and, you know, the kind of things that you learn, because a lot of people mention that, you know, once they go to the army, they join the Marines and Navy SEALs it really changes their outlook on life. And I'm just wondering, John, like what's something that changed for you? Well, um, I think one of the things is now I knew like what I could do if I pushed myself physically, I was mm. never really into working out. And so that's another reason why it was a challenge for me. I couldn't even swim. You have to be able to swim to graduate from Marine Corps boot camp. That's just keep yeah. that in mind. I couldn't even swim. I got there unable to swim and like, I just got to do this. Right. And, sure. um, th over through the process of doing it, I started to actually, you know, I'd always wanted, I was an only child and I'd always look, been looking for like a sense of belonging. Mm. And so I, I joined a fraternity in college, which actually was good because the process of pledging my fraternity helped prepare me in some ways for the Marine Corps, but nobody in any of these other organizations or anything that I've ever been a part of ever gave me that feeling of belonging that I had when I joined the Marine Corps. And so then it, it was like, I would say being in the Marine Corps, not, not boot camp, but being in the Marine Corps kind of took me through some of the stages of life that you go through so that I think I was finally, I finally grew up completely mm. because I went through not just going through boot camp, but, you know, getting, uh, going to the different courses that I did. I, I mean, cause you have leadership courses, you know, and whatnot. Sure. Um, and then of course I went through combat. So all of the things that could scare you as a human being, um, you done and it. all the rituals. Yeah. I'm like, all right, let's go. We did it. Yeah. Um, after I, uh, had been in the Marine Corps, uh, for a little while, I had been training in martial arts, but after I had been in the Marine Corps for a little while, I went ahead and I signed up to a fight. Um, and so mm. I went, I ended up going to, uh, yeah, I ended up going to IKF nationals, international kickboxing federation nationals in 2000. And, um, I got the silver medal. So wow. it's like all of the things that could scare you as a small immigrant. I mean, when I graduated from high school, man, I was, <laughs> I was five, seven, 125 pounds. Right. And so, I mean, I was like small. So all of the things that might make you insecure, unsure of yourself, 
I was able to conquer one by one and knock them down during the time I was in the Marine Corps. And so uh, public speaking, you know, because you end up having to do it all the time. So now you could drop me into my family laughs at me because they could say, you know, you could not know anything about a topic. And we hand you a little card and say, hey, <laughs> there's like three bullet points and put me and say, go stand on stage and, and teach it. <laughs> OK, because you have to do that in the Marines all the time. They'll hand you they say, hey, we need somebody to teach this class here. Here's some read sure. that you got 15 minutes. Go teach a class. Sure. Okay. So let me like, let, let me let me just cut you right here because you know public yeah. speaking is something that a lot of people have issues with, and you're yeah. even mentioning yourself that this is something that was maybe a little bit daunting for you in the beginning. Yeah. What's your advice for people that have this issue, and since you've conquered it, your I guess go-to tips to conquer this? All right. The first thing is um, don't actually make eye contact. This is just a simple one. Mm. Don't actually make eye contact with people because that's what makes you scared because you're talking and they're paying attention, but you're, you're looking at them and they have like the blank stare. You're like, well, maybe they're judging me. Okay. But really they're just listening to you. Just think about what you do when you're hearing a speaker. You're not like, like going through all like these facial expressions. At least I hope you're not <laughs> because people think something's wrong with you. So you pretty much you're paying attention, but from the speaker side, it looks like they're judging you or whatever. Like, what are they thinking? Sure. So I don't do that picture people naked thing or underwear. I don't do any of that. I just don't look at them. Instead, mm. I look slightly above their head. So mm. based upon the camera view you have for me, if you were in somewhere and you were like speaking to me and I was standing in the room I'm in right now, you wouldn't look at my face. You would look at the air ducts right above my head. So it still looks like you're looking at me, but you're actually not looking at me. Uh, the other thing is basically program yourself with a couple of gestures, because if you stand very still, you're going to look weird. And if, mm. and if you just move around a lot, you're going to also look weird and you start to feel out of control. Like what's even happening here. Right. Yeah, yeah. So in the Marine Corps, they taught us, uh, they have a thing called, you know, excessive movement, like no excessive movement. And so I'm even, I'm actually doing it right now. I don't know if you can see me. So I'm doing it right now. And they said, um, you have like the certain, uh, gestures that are authoritative. So like, that was one of them right there. Yeah. So, and you, so like you go like that, right. Politicians do it like that. Mm -hmm. so I'm telling you this, you understand. So there are three, you know, there's three things. Yep. The first one is this. So see what I mean? Like that. Um, those are two things. And you just start to feel better. And then the final thing is, yes, study a little bit about it. But let's say you forget mm. something. Turn it around and make it a question. Because, and so, so I'll say, um, I don't know. I'm supposed to be teaching you about this widget. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, an incline bench. Let's say I forget sure. what an incline bench does. All right. All right. So we, today we're going to talk about incline benches. Who can tell me what an incline bench does? Just one thing. It doesn't have to be right. I don't care what your answer is. Shout it out. If you know, nobody, nobody knows. Nobody has ever heard of an incline bench. None of you work out anything. I don't even care if the answer's wrong. Just tell me something about an incline bench. I'm, you know, and then you just talk, and then somebody will say something, you know, and then whether it's right or wrong, you respond to it. Well, you mm. just created engagement with your audience, right? And you can, I can take that one, whatever that guy says, <laughs> all right? I can use incline benches underwater. All right, is he right? Can you use an incline bench underwater? There you go. See what I mean? You got an hour long conference. I can babble on forever. <laughs> 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 but, 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 you know, you, you got a lot of amazing points there, John, you know, uh, similar to what you're mentioning before. One of the best tips I got for public speaking is people don't care about you. They care about your message. So, you know, don't worry about like 
what you're doing or don't worry about stressing out like that because at the end of the day people are worried if that you know girl texts them back or that party they're going to or if their business is gonna go fire or like if they're gonna get an invite from the personal process podcast i'm just kidding um, <laughs> no, they're all concerned about it they are 100 um yeah. no no but you know it's like the, it doesn't matter like no one's really judging you as much as you think so and a lot of people think that that's the main thing they're doing but they're just here for some information and yeah. the second thing i wanted to touch upon you know that piece of advice that you gave if there's something that you forget or you lost your train of thought ask a question because like you mentioned john like it creates engagement and like i i was just thinking about it. i'm like i think that's even a better thing than just coming with a script because people are there for you know they want to feel you they want to be present it's not just hearing the information but they want to collaborate and get something from it and if you engage the crowd that's what's going to make them talk about you like right. oh yeah he asked a question and i was asking him i told him the you know ab machines in water and then like they made a joke it was funny i learned and it's it's so important you know a lot of people are always like oh what if they do this what if they do that at the end of the day i'm, I'm sure that you've had speeches that you've you know not done the best at john and i oh, have yeah. too but i mean like do you even remember what those speeches were exactly and nobody else does either no <laughs> That's the thing. i mean think about i also say look at it from the other perspective everybody has had to go to at least one presentation for work all right oh yeah at the end of that speech were you talking about how great it was or were you talking about how bad it was no you were like okay let's go eat that's <laughs> all it was I mean, I'm sorry to break it to people about how, you know, you didn't, you weren't life changing and maybe somebody else is life changing, whatever. But honestly, what will make people really enjoy your speech or your presentation more is if, number one, you make them feel smart. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and that's actually good for you too, because you, you allow them to speak, you allow them to present their points of view, and that turns it into a two-way learning experience. So you actually walk away from that speech with something you didn't know before, or then you may reinforce something you didn't know before. Well, then you go to the next speech, maybe you're set up to uh, to speak three times in the same day, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the experience you had at the morning session is gonna make you a better speaker at the afternoon session because you know more at the, at the afternoon session than you did in the morning session. And the morning session, people feel good because you validated things that they said, you know what I mean? And so to me, it's a, um, I think it's better to think less of delivering information and more of collaborating and becoming more educated as a group. John, John, I swear I got to cut this video off, man. You already hit the value mark for every other video. <laughs> oh no, I want to win. Let's keep oh, going. <laughs> let's go. You already own the best home gym, so let's, let's keep going. Right. So, John, let's uh, we talked about speaking and, you know, our audience just got amazing knowledge. Let's talk a bit more about the things that you learned while you were training. And I guess you can take the transition to actually going and deploying and kind of the experience that was. But, you know, take a harness from there and keep us going. All right. So the the stuff that among the things that I learned in the Marine Corps actually ended up um, leading to what I'm doing now with owning the magazine, running the digital magazine, um, and uh, even doing the stuff that we're doing on YouTube, uh, sure. with the live streaming and all that. Because I've had a home gym since I left that public gym job. When I left it, I was in the, I was in the Marine Corps Reserves by that time. And so I had this, uh, um, I don't know, un I, disc I had a discomfort. Okay, I was uncomfortable with the idea of paying for a gym membership because I've never paid for a gym membership. 
Mm. ever in my life. When I started working out, which was, uh, I went with my girlfriend at the time to her uh, gym where she had a membership. And that should have been a red flag. She's got a membership. She's been, she's done this before. All right. And mm-hmm. you haven't, but I went in there and I was like, all right. So we put 135 on the bench. I weighed 135 at the time. And as she did it like one time, she struggled, but I say, hey, she's okay. What do you want? I, said, I want the same thing you had. I'm a man. I'm a man. I get there and that weight stapled me. Okay. We come mm-hmm. off the bench and she let go and boom, it went down and I couldn't do anything. She had to, she had to rescue me. Okay. So I said, that's never happening to me again. So I started working out, but I couldn't work out with her because then she's going to just see me get embarrassed daily. So Mm -hmm. I started working out at the school, like Mm. behind her back. All right. So I started working out at the school. Of course, that's part of my student fee. I don't have to pay. Then I started working at the gym, the local gym. And uh, it was like owned by the city of Chattanooga, as I said, so it was free. So even if I didn't work there, I wouldn't have to pay to to train there. But I was working there. And I also had the freedom to work out whenever I wanted. So when I left there and got a job with a Fortune 500 company, I had the Fortune 500 company and I had my reserve time. So I would go with the reserves, I'd work out on base. And then, okay, I need something because now the bug has bit me, I enjoy working out now. So where am I gonna work out? I tried going to a gym and paying one time, I did the guest pass, I said, I can't do this. I went and I bought two 70 pound dumbbells in a wooden box for wow. like five bucks. And that was my first home gym. And the reason why it was I was okay with doing that is because in the Marine Corps, you go to the field, you obviously when I was deployed, you know, we didn't have we didn't always have access to weights and stuff. And so you just become accustomed to making do and kind of doing like the makeshift. Okay, well, let's I wonder, you know, like I wonder if I you start looking at stuff differently, like, huh, sure. that's kinda everybody else was like, man, that was heavy. And I'm like, I wonder if I could do that 10 times. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? can I lift it by myself? All right. Can I do it 10 times? Can I use that for squats? Can I curl it? You know what I mean? And so you just start looking at the world and your environment differently. Right. And Very so, creatively. yeah. And so it's, again, I just say like the Marine Corps is all about basically the challenge It's every day you're being challenged because you're around a bunch of other people with alpha personalities. There's a constant competition for who's better, who's, mm. Something as simple as your your blouse. Uh, so it's not a shirt; it's a blouse. This is a shirt. The thing that goes over that's a, mm. a blouse. And so something as simple as your blouse isn't ironed correctly. It's ironed, but it's not ironed correctly. They look at they'll judge you negatively about that. Right. Um, your ranking signia is not perfectly. I mean, people will stop. Obviously, I, as I started getting promoted higher, I, I was the one asking the questions. But initially, people walk right up to you. Why do you have your ranking signia like that? Okay, what's the rate? And you tell them and they say, well, what's the regulation? And you expect you to know, you know, that you put your rank signal on equidistant from both points bisecting the angle. All right, I still know that because you get quizzed on it all of the time. Right. All right. So you get accustomed to being put on the spot. Mm-hmm. You get accustomed to every day having to prove that you belong where you are, that you deserve to have what's on your collar. Right. And more than that, that you deserve to have more. And that was always my goal. So I, I told you I came out of boot camp as an E3. Well, while in training, uh, I had walking pneumonia. I didn't even know. I was at wow. A, I was at uh yeah. We so we went to Marine combat training after boot camp, and that was actually in some ways harder because you got to go there, you got to prove yourself all over again, right? And uh, we go out on this. I mean, there's like a nine mile hike. You go out, you then you're basically in the woods. 
for 17 days. It's actually longer now, but you're out there 17 days, basically right. playing war, right? And that's actually not too bad. It's kind of cool. But yeah. um, then you come back. Well, I had walking pneumonia. I didn't know that. So we're having classes and I can't stay awake. And so in the Marine Corps, they're like, okay, well, if you're getting sleepy, you stand up. I'm standing up and I'm like this, like that. And I didn't yeah. have walking pneumonia. Well, I had walking pneumonia because we marched out there in the rain. <laughs> we marched back in the rain. It was wet all the time or cold and or cold, you know, mm-hmm. this is in North Carolina. And uh, so I had walking pneumonia. I didn't find out till I got to artillery school uh, after uh, MCT. So I had a grudge because I like, I know that I'm better than this, but they're looking at me, judging me negatively. They're like, you can't even stay awake. You got this Lance Corporal. You're, you know, everybody else is a private or a PFC. You're, you know, how did you, you don't even deserve this rank you have. So I started having a grudge. And so when they finally, towards the end, I started to feel a little bit better. And we had a, uh, they call it's called the effects, but it's a three day war basically. Sure. And that's where I excelled because I, I was able to just kind of unleash my frustrations. I mentioned that I had been doing martial arts, so I may have kicked a couple of people in the stomach. Because, <laughs> hey, we have to conquer their uh, their position. All right. You didn't tell me and we didn't get a lot of guidelines. So you're going to assault the position with all aggression. Really? OK. Now we're shooting blanks. But that's got nothing to do with the fact that I watched a lot of G.I. Joe and I done martial arts and I kicked you in the stomach. I'm like, and well, you know what? This is, again, it's a bunch of alpha personalities. So they're like, oh, this is great. You're awesome. We're like, they're loving it. And one of the people who made an impression on me and got my respect throughout that process was a staff sergeant. He's an mm. So there's a tradition in the Marine Corps that someone who respects you will give you their rank insignia. Wow. You take it and you put it up underneath the little front pocket right here and you keep it there until you get from, and it's a reminder to work hard so you can get that rank. And so I went up to him, remember I'm an E3. Normally you get it for the rank right above you. I went, I said, I want your Chevron. And I harassed him daily until he gave it to me. And like I was getting on the bus and he said, man, devil dog, and he's here. And he gave it to me, I put it under there. And so I made, I ended up making staff sergeant in my first enlistment, which is also unheard of but because I had the goal. So it's like constantly, I have a goal, I have a goal. You said I can't do it, watch me. You said I can't do it, watch me. And and tell me about that, because that's an important, you're just dropping too much fire here, John. You, you got you to slow down, man. It's, okay. it's going to destroy the internet. I'm just bugging you. But, <laughs> but you know, it's a, it's a, it's very interesting because persistence is, in my opinion, one of the most amazing things an individual can have. And this is just a sheer example of that. And you know, it's the only thing that you can really control because, you know, there's a lot of luck involved in life, but your persistence, your determination in going for it is going to unlock the most amount of that luck that you get. So tell me about that process. How do you get this persistence? How do you get this drive where a lot of people would have given up in your shoes? Well, I I do come from a family that's very accomplished. Um, Mm. My grandfather in West Africa had the largest pig farm in West Africa. And so I had to listen to stories about all the things that he did, you know, I mean, I loved my grandfather, but my family was constantly like, Hey, you can do this because look what your grandfather did. Uh, so I'll just give you an example. You know, let's, um, I don't actually remember when I first heard the story, but let's say I got a bad grade on something, uh, a C I got a C on something. I should have gotten an A on. All right. Sure. They tell me the story. Say, you know, your grandfather, uh, when he he knew that he needed to be able to type in order to get through law school. No, he wanted a clerical job so he could make more money, all right? Well, to get the clerical job, you had to be able to type. He locked himself in a room with a typewriter, unable to type at all. He came out of the room able to type. 
<laughs> no pressure. So yeah, so I, I get it that all of the time. My father, uh, I told you he was a journalist. Well, he helped set up the television network in Israel after the Six Day War. He's got pictures of himself with, I mean, time has passed now, so a lot of people may not know these names, but he has pictures in his living room of himself with uh, Ben-Gurion, with Moshe Dayan. He knew these people, okay? Right. So when people, you have all of these stories just going back through your lineage, and people say, look, you are smart and you're capable. And so the fact that you're not doing this thing is because you're not living up to your potential. It starts to kind of like, I mean, quite frankly, I believe them. I'm like, you know, honestly, I really believe that just about anything I actually want to do, I can do. And so whenever I fail at something, my immediate assumption, and I never really thought about it until this moment, but my immediate assumption is I just didn't want it bad enough because if I want everything else, I told you at the beginning, everything else I've really wanted, I've done. I mean, you know, <laughs> I was like, I, I, I mean, I think about it. If you took me as a little kid and I, I said, hey, I want to learn karate. Well, then I ended up and I ended up, uh, you know, seeing because everybody sees the Bruce Lee movies and growing up. Oh, I want to know how to do that. OK, I end up going and training with a guy who was trained by two of Bruce Lee's students. And I end up going and fighting for him multiple times. Like I said, I ended up silver medal. I was regional champion. I gave regional champion uh, two years in a row, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it, like even the most improbable things, they just like if I apparently I wanted it. And if I didn't get it, that means I didn't want it badly enough. It's got nothing to do with the fact that somebody else didn't want me to have it because people didn't want me to have those other things either. John, that that is quotable. You better write that as a quote and post it on your IG right now. <laughs> okay. Because you know, I didn't want it bad enough. Yeah. Wow. Like that is so powerful. I and that's didn't... not a bad thing. That's not necessarily a bad thing because. hundred oh, percent. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't want my toenails painted, so it's not going to happen. <laughs> you know I mean, it's not. Yeah, it's just. It's like, what do you actually want? But just don't fool yourself. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. I just didn't want it. And, and I mean, this goes back to a lot of things. Like I'll, I'll share one example from my end. You know, I was trying to get this one guest that I really, you know, I read their book and I was just fascinated by their work. I sent them an email and initially I didn't get a response and, you know, a month passed that's, and then he. And that's such the worst because you're like, what does it hurt you to even answer me back? I mean, to be fair, they're very busy and I, I kind of get it. I've been busy sometimes in my life too. But, you know, like it, they ended up answering about a month later. So, so they did answer. But uh, I tried to interview and then I'm emailing and then no reply. A week goes by. I email again because they emailed back and said, like, let's set up a date. And I email back. Hey, what about this? And then, hey, what about this? I'm like, uh, I don't know if I should bug him. You know, busy guy. But then I talked to one of my friends and he said, no, man, just keep emailing. And he already said he wants to do it with you and keep going. And I ended up locking in that interview and, you know, it's all about the fact that I wanted it. I wanted it and it shows, right? Because if you show people that you're genuinely interested in and you're putting the work to get it, I think that kind of, you know, that kind of goes into them. They're like, okay, you know, this person's determined, like he wants me for a reason, not just a random person. And it really makes a difference and it can be used for your own business. It can be used for a relationship. It can be used for... Even if you're like educating your, you know, kid, you know, you show them like, hey, this sports is good for you. And like this food is good. And you show them by example, it makes a huge difference. But if you, you know, eat your Cheetos every day and don't eat any broccolis. Yeah. If you're, you know, if your kid turns out to be someone who doesn't exercise and just sits on the couch and eats Cheetos, 
you didn't want it bad enough. And yeah. man, that's such a great code. I'm not going to go into this. I mean, so I have another one. I actually was this guy I put out on Instagram. He's one of my sure. Instagram followers. He put out a message. It, yes, I. So we have uh, full disclosure. We have an Instagram manager, but um, you inspect what you expect. So I go on my Instagram and I check to make sure that we're doing the right thing. So I went in there and I saw this question. And the guy was just like, he had posted on his own Instagram. He's about to have a kid. And everybody's like, congratulations. And I noticed nobody answered this question. He said, I'm about to be a dad. Does anybody have any advice? Hmm. So I wrote up like, like quick 10 things, right? Okay, this is what I think. All right, based upon the fact that I've got five kids, four boys who are used to, um, you saw one earlier. Yep. He's 16. He actually works with us uh, doing fo- uh, photography and whatnot when we do awesome. live streams. Uh, but the rest, my older, my other sons are older. They're all out of the house. Uh, one's actually a sergeant in the Marines. The other two wow. are in the nursing program in the hospital. And then we have a little girl, a, a toddler. Um, and she's, well, I guess you're not a toddler when you're five. She's five years old, whatever. So she's, you know, she's <laughs> young. All right. Sure. But so based upon that, I said, you know, it's, I have a different perspective about parenting than somebody even with just one kid. Sure. So how it relates to what you just said is um, you're talking about the kids, not, you know, they're eating Cheetos, whatever. I said, well, yeah. you might've told them forever hey, you need to make sure that you eat healthy, but then you don't eat healthy yourself. And the fact is that ultimately children don't obey what they hear. They imitate what they see. So you have to walk that walk. I'm always talking about, hey, you got to lead from the front. Sure. Now, I'm going to lead you from the front. And if I don't, and, and then I'm going to inspect what I expect. And if you don't do, you're not, you're not following my example. I want to know why. Because yeah. you may not want this thing bad enough. And so it's kind of like... Um, so the book of Proverbs says, train up a child the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not uh, depart from it. But that's actually a mistranslation. It mm. really says, train up a child according to his way. You have to find the thing that is his thing, his purpose. You train him up according to his purpose, his learning ability, his learning habits. Is he a visual learner? Is he auditory? Is he touch to learn by doing? And then when he, it'll sink in and he'll just keep doing that forever, right? So... That's what I'm saying. It's like you have to if if I'm trying to give you this example and you don't do it, even as an employer, maybe you don't want this thing bad enough, in which case we got to talk about whether you should be with us. Number two, um, I may not be communicating it in a, to you in a, the importance of it in a way that you understand. Like I just haven't been clear enough about my expectations. And also, I'm a fairly good at figuring out what people are good at. That's my mm. number one leadership skill. I can tell if you're good at something, right? Sure. And I may, but I may have misjudged it and thought that you were good at this thing and you're not, mm. you know? So there sure. you go. And, you know, you're just dropping so much fire right here. Cause you know, <laughs> let's, let's connect the, do you want it bad enough to the communication style? Cause a lot of people, John, you know, they mentioned that, oh man, this person is just a blank cuss word or whatever right but it's interesting that you mentioned like try to get it in the way that they understand and that's such a huge part because especially in america it's very political now you're either this or that rather than just the person who has seen some certain things and then just been obliterated by so much social media on your feed that you don't understand anything else right you know but just understanding where a person's coming from and being able to communicate in a way that hits them is a, such an undervalued skill because you can right. use that in every aspect of your life. You can make amazing connections. And it's a shame because so many individuals are so similar to each other, but just because of one ideology or another, people just put them in a completely different category and then they don't learn from them. Yeah, no, it's it's just such an important point. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I'm trying to think of like a good, easy to explain example. Um, 
but I'll say so here, for example, all right, uh, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a believer in Christ. Okay. Sure. And I'm, I'm, I don't make any secrets about that. So there are certain differences between denominations though. So for example, I do not believe that drinking is wrong. Sure. Okay. I happen to not like drinking, but that's just because I don't like the taste of alcohol. Sure. But I don't think there's anything wrong with it. My wife enjoys sure. wine. I, I'll buy her wine. We go out. She said, I married my uh, designated driver. So we go out, <laughs> I get her wine, and I'm like, yeah, I'm just trying to get you liquored up so you'll be reckless when we get home. But, <laughs> but it's like my best friend, on the other hand, grew up believing that drinking alcohol is wrong, that it's a mm. sin, it's against the Bible. So I could tell him forever, hey, look, well, look at this verse, look at this verse, look at this verse, and try to fight him with the Bible, right? But I understand that part of the reason why he connected with that idea when someone else taught it to him is because he comes from a background with parents who were substance abusers. It has nothing to do with the fact that uh, he thinks it's this. When I say, well, the Bible says you can drink, you just can't get drunk. He says, how are you going to drink and not get drunk, especially the first time? Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm like, well, I mean, I could argue with you and say, well, do you get drunk when you take cough medicine? I mean, it's the person, you know, the amount, but that's, that's a pointless argument. Instead, what he and I have connected on is the fact that we both agree that you should be, uh, you should self-control in all situations. Right. And so the other part of it is, let's say we're talking about something that he doesn't think is wrong or he doesn't see it as, as a big deal. I can connect the fact that I think is important to how he feels about the drinking and say, well, it's kind of like how you feel about this, right? So instead of letting this wall be a wall, I can say, all right, no, it's not a wall. It's a wall, but there's a door right here. And let's, sure. I can walk through it and we can meet in the middle. You know what I mean? And I think that that's an important thing for employers, for especially entrepreneurs, because you have to understand that everybody who comes to this, whatever your company is, doesn't come down the same pathway that you did. Right. Some of them just needed a job, depending mm -hmm. on where you are in the life cycle of your company. Sure. Some of them just needed a job. You think everybody that goes to work at Microsoft is just passionate about changing the world through technology? No, some people just want a job. All right. And uh, some people have followed a similar path to you and they are they're trying to change the world. Sure. And so you have to identify those people who are super passionate. And those are the ones that you groom. I heard something one time. I, I don't me. exactly know who said it. It may have been when I read Magic of Thinking Big, but I, I can't say it definitely, okay? For sure. But it was like, basically, if you go to a company and uh, you talk to the, let's say you start out a company and you're at the bottom, right? And sure. you know you meet the president of the company somehow. And he says, oh, you know, welcome aboard. You know, what do you want to do with your life? And you tell him, I want your job. The president of the company will believe you. Everyone else who's around your level so your manager, your immediate superior, and everybody who's your peer, they will all laugh. The president of the company will, not, will be the only one not laughing because at one point, he had your job. Yep. So. Huge. Huge. And, you know, I'm, I'm just going to kind of bring it back because you mentioned one point that I think is very important. Sorry, I'm jumping all over the place, but I, oh, no, no, no. I was going to derail you. Oh, I said, no, rewind. No. I said I was going to do it. <laughs> no, you're killing it. You're killing it. But, you know, there's just a lot of things I want to expand on because, sure. you know, this whole podcast is about development and learning. And, you know, we talked about speaking. We talked about parenting skills. We talked about communication. But even in like a business setting, you know, we're talking with Michael Norris with regards to getting clients. And he's the chief marketing officer at UTech. 
And, you know, he was mentioning that a lot of agencies just come in and when the clients come in, they're like, you need to do X, Y, Z. But we're talking about it. Michael's mentioning that, you know, you don't even know what they want. You don't even know if they know what SEO is, you know, and getting to know a person, getting to know a company is like the most important thing. And that's why I'm saying like communication is the most vital thing. It doesn't matter your niche. It doesn't matter your field. You can go into... I don't know, just you can just create a completely Python company. But if you're not able to communicate that directly with your customers, it's worth nothing. Yeah, um, that's the thing that is a constant struggle for us, because um, I know that you recently got a garage gym. OK, yeah, um, best decision. man, look, at you see the shirt? I see it, man. All I right. see it. <laughs> I mean it with every month is uh, because I feel like uh, one of the things about a home gym is it. Um, it uh, it's custom tailored for you. Absolutely. So, so basically, the fact that you own this home gym means you've put together something that you can customize as your needs, as your wants, as your desires change. Mm-hmm. It's the best gym in town. I can't go down to the local Gold's gym and change it every time I want to. You know, I decide I'm into something different now. I just can't. So anyway, the thing is that uh, everybody else. Well, let me not say everybody else. Most other people in the world who are involved with home gym culture in some way from a business level are either coaches or they do reviews. Um, so there's some level of influencer and they, sure. they make their hay because they do equipment reviews. So there's a bunch of people that do equipment reviews, uh, starting with the guy at the top who's uh, probably Coop from Garage Gym Reviews and then mm-hmm. John Burgesson from GarageGyms.com. And then even Adam from Garage, Adam Hensley from Garage Gym Lab. So those guys are kind of at the top. And then Brandon Campbell Diamond is in there somewhere. Um, so what people expect when they find a garage gym, a brand that's labeled garage gym or home gym, is that you're going to be doing what other people are doing. And then I right. say, hey, no, I don't do that. I'm a media company and I publish the only magazine in the world is written by and for home gym owners. The first thing you think of is why is that necessary? So I have to convince them that what I'm providing them is important. Okay. And I always like that Henry Ford quote. Uh, if I ask, supposedly it's Henry Ford. Okay. But I'm going to go ahead and believe it because sure. it works for me is that if I asked people <laughs> what they wanted, I w- they would have asked for a faster horse. Okay. Mm-hmm. And f- that's the thing is like, I come from the perspective of someone who's been training exclusively at home, except for if I go on vacation somewhere. Sure. Exclusively at home. For almost 20 years, the average home gym owner has been training at home. Well, okay, I can't. Actually, that's not right because the pandemic has skewed things. Sure. Prior to 2020, the average home gym owner had been a home gym owner for maybe three or four years. Sure. So their idea of what they need is skewed by that. And they still think that they can. And a lot of them came up in the social media era. So they believe that you can get everything you need to know from social media. And I come out of the era where. Uh, everything was geared towards public gyms. And so anything I needed to know, I would have to get from a magazine mm. and or a book and then tweak it for my home gym situation. Sure. Right. And so I see the value in a magazine that's specifically geared towards home gym culture because I come from the assumption like all of our writers are home gym owners. So we all understand what you're doing. We've got over, a, if I took all my contributors and add all the experience together, including myself, um, you're looking at, probably 120 years of home gym experience, right? So huge. every single one of us is coming from the perspective of having done this thing, right? So um, for example, 
I can talk to you about the fact that in the summertime, you're going to need to know uh, the best way to keep mosquitoes out of your garage because it's going to be hot. You're going to roll mm-hmm. the door up. You need to know how to get them, keep the mosquitoes out. I've already done that work for you. I can just tell you, hey, go look at the summer uh, 20, uh, 20 issue. And there's a thing in there talking about it. All right. And you don't get that from social media because social media algorithms, regardless of platform, are designed to show you more of what you've already said that you like. Yeah, exactly. So it's impossible. It's not impossible, but it's difficult to learn new things that you need. Yep. I use another example. This is going to be quick. I'm a martial. I have the blessing of being a martial artist, a powerlifter. Well, I'm a physical culturist, but I've I've competed in martial arts. I've competed in powerlifting. Um, and a former member of the United States military who's also lived in other countries because I am an immigrant to the United States. Okay. Mm -hmm. So because of those things, I've seen how people do things multiple different ways. All right. So the average person who's let's go with your elbows are hurting when you squat, you do a barbell back squat, your elbows hurt. Your initial instinct, if you're a power lifter, is to go, and you're probably going to ask a power lifter, right? Because they squat the most weight. They ought to know, right? Mm-hmm. All right, we got to go get some. And they'll say, well, you need to get some elbow sleeves. All right? Get some mm-hmm. good tight elbow sleeves. Well, when those elbow sleeves don't work anymore, get tighter elbow sleeves. All right? <laughs> That's the answer. Bye. Sure. All right. A martial artist who sees that your shoulders are hurting you when you're in a certain position, it's going to tell you to stretch, which, as you may know, is free. Elbow sleeves cost money. They don't cost a ton of money, but they cost money. And martial artists will tell you to stretch. Sure. All right. But the martial artist, it never occurs to the, or let's say your knees hurt or whatever, right? The martial artist is going to tell you to stretch and he's going to show you some dynamic things to do. Okay. The martial artist is, doesn't come to the power lifters and tell them, hey, guys, you need to know this because it never occurs to him that you need to know this because everybody within his sphere of influence all knows that it's important to stretch. And they also know it's like if you tell a martial artist you can't produce power and you can't be powerful and explosive if you stretch because stretching makes you less powerful and explosive. And they're going to look at you like, what? <laughs> like you understand like martial art, like kicking is all about being explosive and kicking hard. And you can't sure. do that unless you are. You got that range. Loose, right. Yeah. yeah. OK, because your body can't perform effectively if it's fighting itself. Sure. Well, a power lifter thinks because they've read a few studies or right? they really didn't read the study. They had somebody else read the study and that's all BuzzFeed article and told them. Yeah. Yeah. And it like <laughs> filtered through and it became like common knowledge. Sure. So they don't even want to stretch. So they're over there buying gadgets when all they had to do was stretch. That's just an example. Right. And so that's what I mean is like what we need is something that cuts across the experiences. And I'm linking all these people together and say, hey, look, you all train at home. Let me be that guy at the gym. You know, normally when you're at a gym, there's that one guy that knows everything. Everybody always asks them. There's one on the day shift. There's one in the night shift sure. and at different times. And there's one in the afternoon at lunch. Everybody goes to that guy and ask him what he thinks. All right. You work out at home and it's you, your wife and kids. I'll be that guy for you. And the other contributors, we're that guy. But I have to go through that entire spiel because I understand that not everybody has been in a situation where they have to rely on just themselves for almost two decades. Sure. So I can't get upset when they think, uh, uh, they can get everything they need to know from social media. Absolutely. I can't, get, I can't let it upset me. I can't let it upset me that 
they are into like the the reviews thing is very popular i can't get upset about that because again these are people who are new home gym owners what do they need they need equipment i don't need equipment i've had a home gym i mean <laughs> if i buy something because i'm i told you i had an admin that just showed up right yeah well it's a replacement for what i already have my gym is built out i have i mean heck we just hung a tv up because my wife didn't want to work out on the other side anymore she's like oh, i'm come <laughs> over here and work out because all the stuff is over here i'm just tired of carrying all the weights onto that side sure I, I don't need i'm not bragging i'm just saying i don't need i've been accumulating it slowly since 2001 really right sure. so i would but if i had just started my gym two three years ago i'd still be in the market for equipment mm -hmm. so most people are in the market for equipment so the review sites are big and i'm just here like hey look you're going to at some point have all of your stuff you're going to need to know what to do then absolutely right so that's kind of like that was a very long answer that didn't answer exactly what you asked me but i wanted uh, to make the point to people that you have to kind of it's not always the surface and sure. that does explain that does apply to what we're talking about even as an employer or whatever it's not always the surface then you have to be willing to peel some layers of that onion away until you absolutely how to get to some resolution i mean sure i mean i'll follow up on that anecdote you know like we we're talking about business and sure you know doing a business and creating good business you know model is huge it's very important but if you don't have the right team members who are passionate or you don't have the right communication strategy and all you're doing is you know lying to get candidates i mean you saw what happened with yourself john yep. you didn't like them you didn't join yep. them and exactly. in fact right now you're doing negative publicity for them whereas yep. for the army they're straight with you they even tried to take Marine you out. <laughs> Or sorry, with the Marine Corps, my bad. Yeah. You know, they tried to take you out. And granted, that was probably a social psychology thing like you're mentioning. Okay. But, you know, they're, they're honest from the get-go. And honesty pays dividends. It may not get you the war or the battle first, but it'll finish the war, you so, know. And that's such an important point. And coming back to the gym, home gym, you know, yeah, sure. You need to get reviews on like a Rogue Rack, which is, I guess, kind of like one of the prime after Sorenex, if I'm correct. You probably know more than I do. Yeah, I mean, Rogue is the, the cool thing about Rogue is that they have a very um, uh, OK, let me back up. The biggest thing for me, just in general, about when I value something is uh, quality control mm. in two decades. Right. <laughs> so I've sure. seen stuff break. I remember when I worked in the public gym. We had dumbbells that were made in China. And so I'm biased against Chinese products because I watched a dump, a 70 pound dumbbell break in half and fall on the guy's face. Okay. So, what? yeah. So I'm, I'm, and it's now granted, he's stupid because he was dropping it. And I kept saying, hey, man, don't drop the weights. I walk away, came back. Oh, he's like, I'll be all right. He's doing pullovers. He get like, he's lying. So he's lying down. Come over here. And while he's holding it here, snaps in half. Wow, right no. excellent. Get your help your dentist get his kids through college. Perfect. So I'm biased against, you know, some Chinese brands. Okay. But wow. because of that, because I'm like, well, the quality control isn't there. And so I've interviewed people as well who are in the manufacturing industry and they say, well, here's the problem we face. The reason why they can be cheaper is because they don't have to, uh, for one thing, we have to fly over to China, which costs a lot of money. We got to send the quality control specialist over there. And I mean, they're just right there. So anyway, the point is that I am big on quality control. Okay. Sure. Rogue manufactures primary in the United States. I mean, they manage, I'm sure they manufacture overseas as well too, but they manufacture in the United States, um, right there in Ohio. And so not only do they have the ability to, um, they've solved the shipping puzzle. Okay. Sure. So Rogue is big because uh, you got three, three ships free people love free shipping so mm -hmm. they've got that and then they've got reasonably high quality stuff 
So Rogue is yet at the top. Soranex is an older company, but they hadn't solved the shipping puzzle uh, by the time Rogue came along. Sure. Rogue's big thing is they came along and they were serving CrossFitters. Soranex was serving was serving um, athletes, colleges, universities, yep. and whatnot. Right. So I mean, a college has budget has a budget. They're not concerned as I mean, they want you to ship cheaper, but they're not like an individual CrossFitter who needs this stuff today. And I yep. would, I don't want to pay a whole bunch of money for shipping. So sure. Rogue's big thing was we got to solve the shipping puzzle. Absolutely. We're not inventing reinventing the wheel. In fact, if you look at a lot of low, Rogue products, they look like stuff that other people make. But everybody thinks rogue first because rogue can get it to you quick and for less money, right? So mm -hmm. anyway, I just had to say that. So no. now go ahead, finish what you're saying. Absolutely. And just to kind of piggyback off that before we go back, you know, that comes back to communication, you know, because yeah. I think it I'm I'm pretty sure like Sorenex is known as one of like the best oh, home man. gym brand. Not even home gym, just gym brands. You know, I think it's like all handmade or you know, I was just watching some really high quality. Extremely high quality, great material, and you know it's just they it's outfit just, like NFL teams. Oh yeah, high oh, level yeah. High, D one colleges. Yeah, they're high exactly. quality. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, but but you know it, it comes back to communication because you have that business model, you have that quality, you have even the customer base. Because I mean, just think about it. You want to pitch to someone, hey, we outfit all these amazing teams. We can <laughs> outfit you too. Yeah, I mean that's a pitch right there. But Rogue, where they came in is a communication. You know, they sponsored all these CrossFit events. They sponsored all these lifting events. They marketed themselves well, and then they took that just from communication. And that's such an important note to make. Now, to kind of come back to the point that I was making earlier with your brand, you know, John, you can go and get something from Rogue, but at the end of the day, the details also redefine reality because. I'll, I'll be, uh, let me share my own example. When I got my half rack, it didn't have a spotter. So, you know, I was I, no spotter arms, no, you know, anything to do that. And I was looking at the prices and, you know, I think I got, I got my rack for an amazing deal. Uh, it's a Nautilus one with a, ha a pulley and all that too. So I think it was 200, something like that with like a couple of weights too. And, you know, I was just like, yeah, you know, like a spotter arm, a bench press spotter arms, like a hundred bucks. Is it worth it? Yeah. And this is a thought that was going in my head. And exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Remember the teeth. Remember the teeth. <laughs> yeah. You're trying to spend money at the dentist or at your own, you know, home gym. And and that's the thing. Like these are details that you may not understand. And I don't think it's it's too often put out there. Sure, it is in some videos, but are you gonna get that video? And with a magazine like yours, you know, you get all these details, whether it's with safety, whether it's you know, I was watching some of your YouTube videos on proprioception. And there's a lot of different elements that come with training that you may not just get. You know, you can get that chest press machine, but is it the same as a bench? Why? Why not? Right. And I think that's something that you offer, which is huge. One of the other things I try to do is, again, I'm cutting across multiple training disciplines to sure. answer people's the questions that people may have based sure. on where they are on that road, right? Um and that is the chest press. So if you're a bodybuilder, you need stability because sure. you want to be able to isolate the muscle without having to worry about basically engaging other muscles to stabilize yourself. Mm -hmm. All right. You can put on muscle with just a barbell and free weights, a barbell and dumbbells. You, you can do it. All right. Generations of bodybuilders did it with barbells and free weights before machines were invented. Uh, but it is easier and faster if you're able to isolate the muscle as much as possible. You get your mind muscle connection. All right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know which weeder principle that is, but yeah, mind muscle <laughs> connection. But if you are an athlete, 
in a sport that involves moving yourself and objects through space, you may not want to, depending at that moment, you may not want to isolate because you have to train your body to move as a unit because you're not able to isolate, I don't know, your chest as an absolutely lineman. Granted, yeah, you're pushing against somebody, pushing them away. So it seems sure. like it's chest, but I mean, what are you floating? Your feet are on the ground. So obviously you're using your legs too. So you have to teach, train yourself to be a unit. And so it just depends on where you are, like what the purpose is that you have this thing for. And if you are What's a home gym goal? owner, yeah. And if you're a home gym owner, because of space constraints that most of us have, you want to get stuff that does multiple things as much as possible because number one, cheaper. space and number two, yeah, space, cheaper. And if this is for the long haul, your goals and needs will change. My goals mm -hmm. and needs when I was a single dude who's just working out at home so I could look good and to support my martial arts, my fighting, um, changed when I became a dad with a bunch of kids in the house who want me to be able to play with them. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, and it's not even just being able to play with them. It's the fact that I don't want to be destroyed afterwards. I said, I have a five-year-old, right? She wants me to go outside. She's like, daddy, go jump on this. Let's do this. And I'm like, oh, baby, you know, what am I going to say? No. And so I go out there and play. I mean, they, everybody knows like the weekend warrior syndrome. We went out and we go and we play this game or whatever. And then I'm just destroyed. I'm on the couch with every ice pack I could find. I don't want to live like that. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to do things like this is not really part of it, but I have had things that validate my way of thinking, the way that I prepare myself. Like I just had a car wreck. Wow. In October. Yeah, I had a rollover. Uh, a lady swerved in my, into my lane and I was swerved to avoid her, went off the road and I flipped four times. Okay. Oh my God. So I had hit the roof of my Jeep Liberty that has gone on to a, a better place, I guess. You know, I don't have it anymore. So, so it's totaled, right? People see the pictures. <sighs> oh my God. So the first thing I thought of when I, was co I mean, I had a concussion and everything. Well, the first thing uh, I thought of when I was coherent was, man, I'm so glad I've been doing all those neck bridges that everybody told me I shouldn't do because they were dangerous. Because I started doing neck bridges because I was a fighter. So I've been training my neck. I mean, it may not look like it, but I mean, you could, like somebody who knows what they're looking at, you can look at my neck. You see, I train my neck, right? It's like, I don't look like the football picture, but you can see that I train my neck, right? And um, I've been training my neck since about 1996. Okay, so yeah, maybe for somebody who's just starting out, it's probably not a good idea to do what I'm doing. But you can't tell me that what I'm doing is dangerous because in my head, it's like it's more dangerous to not do it. And then I have a rollover car wreck. I hit my head. And I'm just like, oh, I have a headache, but I didn't break my neck. In fact, I got out of the car on my own. Man. And the people are like, are you okay? And I was coherent enough to have a smart answer. Sure. Like, no, I just had a car wreck. And they're like, like, and I said, and I'm bleeding. And I was like, I want you to call the police. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, and I'm just like, just talking to him. But then I had like the blood sugar drop and then. Sure, like, sure. But in the moment, yeah. it, was like, it felt like when I was in the ring and I got in, I actually called, I was on my way to train with my coach. So I still train martial arts. I was on right the way on. to train with my coach and I called him. I said, hey, I just had a wreck. I called my oldest son. He happened to be visiting. He and I were going to go train. I called him. I said, I need you to come to where I am. I told him where I was. I said, I just had a wreck. I rolled over like four times. So I need you to come over God. here. I don't know how long I'll be able to be awake and I need you to be here so the you can tell the police uh, I'm I'm okay right now don't kill yourself coming here but yeah so he comes and then I call my coach uh, in the ambulance riding to the hospital and uh he said yeah he said where you at and I said I'm in the back of the ambulance uh, I'm not gonna be there today I just had a wreck he said oh 
He said, I said, but I called you because I feel like when Danny Kelly hit me with the overhand right and I slipped on that water at Nationals. He said, oh, okay. So he knew I needed him to talk to me. Mm. There are things from the the actual event, like the accident, that there are things that I don't remember. But I remember telling him about this fight that I had back in 2000 because I was like out of it at the time. And I said, yeah, I remember it was like that. So I need you to just talk to me, keep me awake. And so Mm. he said, hold the phone up closer. So he actually is funny. The ambulance, the EMT is in the ambulance. And he says, hold your phone closer to your face. I held it. He looks at my eyes because he's my corner man. He's like, okay, let me, he's looking at my eyes to see if my, yeah. He say, ask the EMT if your peoples are, are bigger than they should be. And he's like, okay, we got to talk about something. So I was like, sure. so then the two of them start talking to each other about my medical condition. Yeah. <laughs> it's just weird. But anyway, the point is that had I not done the things that prepared me for the unexpected, uh, I mean, I might not be walking right now, you know? Huge. And so, yeah. And so I, I always look at it like when I'm giving advice to somebody, I'm telling you, hey, I recognize that you may have this thing that you want right now. And you're a grown man or you're a grown woman. But I'm telling you, make decisions based upon what you what. Give a gift to yourself five years from now. <laughs> so when you said you don't have you didn't have spotter arms immediately, I'm like, I mean, do you not like how you look? I'm like, yeah, $100 versus dental work. That's how I look at it, right? But sure. I know a lot of people have, and I'm not putting you down, I'm just saying, that's oh, 100%. How I get it. They're like, oh, well, that costs too much. And I mean, I even know, to me, I see it as an opportunity also, because now I'm going to say, when we get off of this conversation, I'll put you in touch with some custom fabricators in your area. Maybe you can get some custom uh, spider arms that have personal process podcasts on them. There you go. Cost a whole lot of money, and now you've just made that gym even more custom tailored to you. Once again, making it the best gym in town. There you go. And if that isn't a pitch for your work, I don't know what is. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, John, it's there's just so much knowledge in this conversation. I love it. But you know, let's talk a little bit about a little bit about your company because I know we we kind of went into it, like the value of it. But can you kind of just tell me like the day to day and process of it? And I know we're kind of running short on time, so I just want you to. Speak on that a little bit. Sure. So essentially, like I said earlier, we are designed to be like your gym buddy. All right. Sometimes mm-hmm. you need motivation from your gym buddy. And so we provide, uh, typically on Instagram, we'll put stuff out, shouting out people for their daily accomplishments in their home gyms. Okay. Sure. Uh, we also use it as a marketing tool, like, hey, we're doing this thing. Uh, one of the things that I've done for a long time uh working out at home is some days you just don't feel like doing that thing, whatever the workout is. And so I'll put a video on and have the video playing while I work out. Right. And so last year we began live streaming once a month. I'm hoping to do it more often, but we began live streaming, uh, sports. So Mm. live stream powerlifting meets, we live stream strongman competitions. Uh, this year we're working on adding Highland Scottish Highland games to it. Cause I mean, who doesn't want to watch somebody throw a, a telephone pole uh, <laughs> while wearing a kilt. You know, I mean, what's the, what's not to like about that? Sure. Um, and so that's designed to kind of motivate you. And then what we have on our YouTube channel is stuff that will inform you. As you said, you watch some of the videos. It's like I'm helping you with like we have a segment called um, Ask a Trainer. And it's every question that I get on on social media or in my personal life. I've just run into people. They know I'm like a home gym person. We try sure. to answer all those questions and I don't answer the questions myself. Because that's mm. another thing I want to make clear is like if you're an entrepreneur, and I'm assuming a lot of people who listen to this podcast will be entrepreneurs, resist 
um, there's a book called the E-Myth. E-Myth. Yeah. Resist the temptation to think that you have to do everything yourself because mm. in some things you're going to be very good and some things you're not. Andy Stanley has a thing called uh, the, the principle of the path, right? And so he's like, basically, um, you have to be, in order for the people under you as an employer to be able to respect you and for your company to th thrive, you need to make sure that if you're a t you only do the areas in that company that you excel in. So let's scale of one to 10, 10 is the best, one's the worst. I won't do anything with Garage Human Life that I'm not at least an eight in. Sure. Because if I do something where I'm a six, now, I don't mind helping. If you say, hey, can you help me do this thing? Sure. But I'm not going to try to take over if I'm a mm. six. If you, I'm a six and you're a seven, you're going to look down on me. Even though I'm good at all these other things that you're not good at, you're going to look sure. at the fact that I can't do the thing you can do and you're going to look down on me. And a lot of times people will leave because you can't follow someone you don't respect. Sure. Right? So anyway, so that's the thing that we do. Uh, we put out YouTube videos once a week that will have something that will basically help you be successful at home. It may give you inspiration. So it's a tour of someone's home gym from around the world. And we chose YouTube because it's a free platform and sure. we want to have the barrier to entry be low. So sure. um, it may be a, a tour of someone's home gym from around the world. We have one on a guy, he built a shed and it was so gratifying because he said he built this, he decided he wanted a home gym. He built the shed and he did most of the stuff based upon what he had heard from following us over the years. Sure. Right. I said, like, man, that's so cool. So we, I said, of course, I'm putting you on a YouTube channel. And then Absolutely. Uh, it may be an extra, uh, some sort of educational thing talking about exercise, some of the stuff you've seen already. Or it could be just motivation. And it's, you know, the, this sporting event with, and at least somebody from there has trained in a home gym and now they're on a platform or whatever, and they're doing their thing, you know, pursuing their dream, whatever. And then three, uh, every three months, we put out the magazine on a, based seasonally. Right. So it's uh, the winter issue, the fall issue, the summer issue, that kind of thing. So, in fact, the winter issue for 2021 will be out January 1st. Sure. And, um, and again, it, it answers it is more like a deep dive. So it's like, um, I don't know. Uh, so like the let's go back to the fall issue of 2020. We talked about things like what, what are your options for heating your home? If you have a backyard gym. Uh, uh, yeah, you, you have an outdoor gym. What are the options? Mm. You have an outdoor gym. Do you want to have, you know, because the weather's changing, you know, sure. do you want to have uh, to cover it? Do you want to have a pergola? Do you want to have a gazebo style? What do you want to do? Right. That, that kind of stuff. It's where you can deep dive and then you, you read it. You have a question. You can respond to us on social media or to the writer on social media and say, hey, I don't understand whatever that was that you said in that magazine article. What are you talking about? explain yourself, you know, whatever. And sure. then I might do a YouTube video about it. Say, oh, that's a good question. Do a YouTube video. And so I, I try to have everything be sort of, uh, it's not osmosis, osmosis. It's a- uh, Everything plays on each symbiotic. other, right? Symbiotic. Yes. So it's the, everything that we do has a symbiotic relationship with each other. That's huge. That's huge. Let me, let me ask you one question because uh, we are running out of time, but I want you to talk to your past self when you just started garage gym life media what is your top tip or top few tips that you would give to that time so you could better exceed okay. your expectations don't hire that business coach because he doesn't understand home gym culture and he's going to give you advice that might work for other people but it won't work for what you're trying to do instead mm -hmm. stay the course and look for people who have experience and who have walked this road and who are passionate about serving other their fellow home gym owners the same way or at least you know to a certain extent 
sure. because you're going to be able to learn from them more than you'll learn from somebody who's coming in as an outsider asking you questions that frustrate you. Mm. Um, I would sell myself that. But second of all, don't give up because some of the answers, and I'm not going to give you the answers now because I need you to go through the process of finding out the answers because that's what makes us successful down the road later. That's huge. That's huge. And uh, yeah, John, that's fantastic advice. You know, trust your own personal process, trust the process, because like you mentioned, once you go through challenges, once you go through the process, you take it in, you know, like a lot of people can tell you, Hey, eat broccoli. It's good for you. Eat broccoli. It's good for you. But it's not until you're on the couch at 30 and you realize that, you know, you're tired, you can't keep up with your kids and your health may be declining with a couple health conditions that you're like, you know, this is the time for me to do something and take that pain and make it motivation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think with, and, I, oh, and this is not that I don't respect business coaches. I do. Sure. I've learned a lot from business coaches, but don't, it's been better for me to like, say, listen to a podcast like this sure. as opposed to hiring the business coach, because, um, listening to a podcast like this. So let's say somebody's listening to this and they think that I've just said something of value. All right. You learn from little things that I've said, but that doesn't mean that I'm qualified to come into your business and sure. tell you how to run it because you're the one that has identified the problem that you created your business to solve. So you're basically, you're the subject matter expert. You're the guy from out of town with the briefcase that sure. you should. So while you need to trust you, I would say, um, create like a council of people you can come to, but make sure that each one of those people has a different background Sure. so that you can go say, have, you know, uh, we had a kind of anecdotal story in the Marine Corps that basically, if you want to get something done that nobody's ever done before, go find the laziest, lowest ranked person because they'll come up with something innovative. So they get it over with quickly. And so that's the most they'll find, they'll find the most efficient way to get it done. Find them, threaten them and give them a time limit. <laughs> And I'm telling you, it works. <laughs> Find the lowest ranked person who's the laziest, threaten them, give them the task, leave. And when you come back, it'll be done. And you would have just learned something, right? And you don't even have to tell them that you didn't know how to do it because you just learned something. Now, you can, now you're the expert when you go tell somebody else. Sure. But I'm saying like, if you, you need to create a council of people who you can draw on, because that way, just like what we're trying to do with our magazine, they're able to come with a perspective that you may not have, as opposed to, uh, on the one hand, everybody thinking just like you or their thoughts being so foreign to you that uh, it actually brings your business down and you rebel against it. Absolutely. And, you know, those are just huge points. You know, first of all, just getting a diverse opinion. Yeah. Huge, huge, because, you know, we all think a certain way. And as we were talking before, John, everyone has a unique communication style. They have unique experiences. And by having that diverse group of, you know, a council, you're able to better hit all of your target groups granted not perfect but i mean if you can get seven out of ten instead of three out of ten that's yeah. a win that's a double in exactly. a little bit and yeah you know get the unique opinions and try not to stay in your own bubble because you know oftentimes like i'm sure you can attest to this when you run your own business you're very tunnel visioned you're like man i oh, gotta God. focus on this you know wake you up in the middle of the night with ideas and writing them <laughs> yeah uh, <I'll> <laughs> And your wife's like, okay, come on, we need to get you back on that Fortune 500 job. Anymore. She just opens one eye like, really? Nah, I, didn't, I didn't get a divider or something. It's, it's COVID, I swear, it's COVID. Get a sneeze. That's funny. Oh, man. Yeah. No, I, I love it, John. And I, I wish we had some more time to talk further, but I know you're busy. You're a busy man. 
So yeah. l- let me just get these last two questions from you. Sure, the first sure. one is, what is your one piece of advice for the audience and take it however you want, whether from this conversation or anything else. And second, I just want you to kind of, you know, shout out your social media, anything you want to promote. Okay. So the piece, number one piece of advice I'll give you is if you have some sort of, if there's a a thing that annoys you and it doesn't seem to bother anyone else is because you're the one that was intended to fix that problem. That's Hmm. why it doesn't bother anybody else. It's given to you. Number two, don't let the fact, even if you don't have any experience in that area beyond the fact that that thing bothers you. Don't let that stop you because it doesn't even matter if someone else has addressed the issue in some way. There are people who will not respond to anyone except you. So it doesn't matter how famous the person was who already talked about this thing. Somebody out there is only going to listen to you. And I can prove it. If you're married, how many times have you told your wife something? Like my wife barely listens to me about exercise at home gyms, all right? (laughs) I know I know what I'm talking about, but she doesn't listen to me. So she'll come to me sometimes and tell me about this thing. And I'm just looking at her like, hmm, really? Where'd you hear that before? And she never said what you told me. Instead, she heard it somewhere else. So maybe I planted the seed, all right? That's what I tell myself to bring myself off the ledge. But it's the fact is that there are some people who just can't hear from anyone but you all right so you have been like i said i'm a i'm a christian and i believe that god is in control and that things don't happen accidentally things happen for a reason and so the fact that it bothers you means you're supposed to do something about it because there's somebody out there who's praying for a solution and they can't get it until you get up off your butt and do something sure okay so that's the first thing as far as our social media uh instagram uh, is the number one place that you we've had the most success so at garage gym life media on instagram Hit us up, follow us, and you know if you have a home gym and you're working out, or you're even getting started in a home gym. I'm not like possessive. I'll point you in the direction of other home gym brands that can help you, because sure. again, I'm a media outlet. I'm not actually like I'm not jealous. As I'm like, oh no, I don't. I want you to come to me as a coach. I'm not a coach. I'm gonna tell you sure. what a good coach is. Um, on YouTube, Garage and Life Media on YouTube, we're trying to put it together so that it's like TV. It's programming that you can watch and enjoy. Mm. Um, be entertained by as opposed to just uh like I, I tell people it's like espn but for home gyms as opposed to most home gym channels which are more like uh hgtv for home gyms right that makes sense okay so those are the two and then our website is garagegymlifemedia.com huge and i think with that john thank you very much for joining us on the personal process podcast we talked about so many things from believing in yourself and wanting it bad enough to communication styles to, you know, just the lessons that you took away and integrated into your daily life from martial arts to life and how, you know, everything is in a way connected. And it's, it's been a pleasure having you to say the Thanks. least. It's been fun. It's been inspiring. It's been uh, informational and yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Man, thank you for having me. I, I treat everything like an audition. So I'm like, hey, I want you to say, hey, I got to have him back. So I really appreciate the opportunity to share my message with your viewers. And I hope that I was helpful to people. Absolutely. And to the viewers and audience members, thank you for watching another Personal Process Podcast episode. And we'll see you on the next one. Hey, everyone. Par, I'm back after another amazing episode with another amazing guest. 
We hope we added value into your life so you could take the tips from this episode and fuel your process forward. If you enjoyed our episode today and think other friends or family members may also appreciate the lessons that our podcast brings, be sure to share us with them. Subscribe and rate our show so we know how we did. And always remember, trust the process.